1: Welcome to Wayne's World. It's Wayne's World with Wayne Goldsmith. Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Our coaching guru and regular Wednesday morning guest is Wayne Goldsmith. Wgcoaching.com is his website. Always heaps of good stuff on there. Always heaps to chat about. Uh, Wayne is on his Northern Hemisphere tour at the moment. I think I saw that your latest stop was County Cork in Ireland. Is, there, is that where we find you today,
0: Wayne? Well, I was in court this morning, I think, Heidi. I'm not quite sure. And then I got on a train, and I'm now looking out the window at beautiful Dublin. I'm right in the heart of Ireland in uh, beautiful Dublin. And it was terrible today, because I have been known from time to time to enjoy a pint of the dark ale Guinness. And the first thing I saw when I got off the train today was in fact the home of Guinness, the Guinness factory. So I'm thinking, Sometime in the next 24, 48 hours, I've got to go and see how they make that beautiful
1: stuff. Fantastic. Well, uh, thank you for uh, holding off long enough anyway to, to have a chat to us and our listeners. Always enjoy uh, enjoy having you on. Um, I understand you had quite a big session in Cork, um, around 200 coaches. So what sorts of things were you covering? And, and, and are they similar sorts of things to what you cover in your sessions back uh, back here in Australasia?
0: Well, that's the mind-blowing thing, you know. When people talk about the the globalization of of the industry and finance and so on, you, you don't really think for a moment that those big principles apply to sport. But look, I could have been doing if if I instead of being in Cork, I could have been in Melbourne, I could have been in Auckland, I could have been in Dunedin. Very, very similar discussion areas around where sport is and where sport's going. Very similar issues, particularly in coaching and when you open it up to question time, it's almost identical point. It is mind-blowing that at the moment, for the first time in the 30-odd years that I've been involved in the sports industry, it seems like everyone is grappling with the same problems. And, you know, it used to be when I first got involved in this industry, late 80s, early 90s, that you go to the United States and they were ahead in many areas, certainly way ahead in things like the marketing of sport, the business of sport, and the way that they promoted sport because of the NFL and and the NBA, and they were way ahead, or you might go to Germany and they might be ahead in this area. It, it, it's just phenomenal that the issues that sports and coaches and teachers are dealing around the world are, 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 are very, they're identical. There's, there's no difference. It's been quite surprising.
1: And one of them I see as one of your topics that uh, was addressed uh, is the holistic development of athletes so so basically now looking past the the physical and the in and, and the strictly um you know the physical and and i guess sporting development of an athlete and developing the whole person is, is that is that a hot topic globally
0: it is and you and i have spoken about this
1: many times on on the
0: segment that we've talked about the importance of developing values and virtues and and character point well, I keep waiting to go somewhere and someone look at me and say, yeah, yeah, it's old stuff, Wayne. We've been doing that for a long time or we've got a new idea or we've had something in place and we're developing kids as character first and values first and we've really got to focus on developing the human being rather than the athlete. But I'm not seeing it. I'm still seeing this This blind obsession is the only way I can really put it where people seem to think that if I build and endurance and agility and size and power and all those things if I get that right then all the other things will fall into place and what I've tried to push very much here as I've promoted in other places is parents and coaches to be focused on the athlete to be working on things like respect and selflessness and kindness to their family and and resilience and patience and all those qualities and then any physical talent that the kids got that'll be reflected, that'll realize its full potential. But you know, really, really astonishing if you like that. I spoke to a group of students yesterday in Cork, third-year students, and I started to talk about some of this and said, guys, you know, that as well as measuring blood and heart rate and lactate and all those things in part of your degree, you've got to start looking at people. You've got to start looking at the psychology and the physiology, so the mind and body working together in harmony. And for them, I might as well have been speaking – well, I was, maybe, according to them, a completely different language – that even if we know at university level, we're slowly getting a bit of a breakthrough in academic institutions, adopting an integrated, holistic, multidisciplinary approach. But it's still – most of the places that I go are still very one-off and very much about mind or body or technique or skill – rather than a holistic approach. So that was that was great, and the coaches seemed
1: to buy into it very well. Yeah, and, and I guess that's it, isn't it, Wayne, that the coaches have to be the ones to buy into it because in a results-driven business that they're in, look, I'm I'm sure they all sat there nodding their heads in agreements, and I'm sure you had some very passionate uh, agreement on the stuff that you, were, uh, that you were outlining. But in a results-driven business where speed and power and just winning the next game are so important, Is there the ability to look holistically for these guys and and girls who are in charge of these elite teams?
0: Well, you'd like to think so, and you'd like to think that we're all waking up to it. But there was this great question last night, Pony. There was a guy, seriously, I'd just given three hours where I was starting to get the wobbles a little bit because I I had nothing left. I I wanted to make it a very special event. I had no energy left, and I thought that I'd got the point across. And there was a a coach in the front row who said, wait Thanks for the night session. It was great. Uh, I want to ask you a question. I've got this young player who's very, very talented. vastly more talented than anyone else. He's so much more talented that we play him three age divisions above where he's at. And he's stronger than he can beat. It. And so he's carrying on about this incredible talent of this young Athlete. And I started to answer my first question back was Listen, before I get into it, how old is the player? And he said, he's nine. And I went, oh, no. no. It just wasn't listening in spite of standing there and talking about the importance of balancing the mind and body and the critical aspect of being patient and not over-worshipping physical talent and, and how physical talent is overrated in sport. We able emphasize it, we look at it with way too much feeling that that's what's going to ultimately determine success for elite athletes. That guy then asked me a question about this super talented, dynamic, brilliant nine-year-old. And I felt like either hitting him on the head or hitting myself on the (laughs) head. I think I probably ended up doing both. But every time you think we're getting some breakthroughs, you're exactly right, Piney, that people go back to it's a physical game. therefore, we're looking for physical talent. And we're looking for the biggest, strongest, fastest,
1: most powerful kids. It just
0: broke my heart.
1: So, what do? And look, I, I can hear it in your voice, and 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 I, it doesn't come as a surprise, though, Wayne. You and I have talked so often about this, about how you know at at, at too young an age, you know, strength and power and and things like that, and so-called talent for a nine-year-old are, are just put above anything else. How is this going to change? Is it is it going to need a code or a a particularly influential bunch of people to, to say, no, we're going a different way? H- how will it change? Will it change?
0: I think it will change the same way that it developed, which means it's going to have to be results-driven. It's going to take somebody to have produced a world-class athlete or a highly successful team or a super rugby team or you know, even a, a test team. time they hear my accent and I stand up, of course, the first discussion point here is usually around rugby, and it's going to take someone to achieve something at a high level, and then in the post-game debrief or at the conference that inevitably follows at some stage to say, well, we've just won the World Cup or we've broken the world record or I've just won a Grand Slam tournament, and we're doing it on way less work than we've ever done before because we're doing yoga, we're doing meditation, we spend a lot of time developing the mental side. We spend a lot of time using visualization techniques and we're not training to our maximum physiology all the time. Sometimes we do There's no shortcuts. We're training in total. We may be doing more time actually training than ever before, but we're doing some of it on the court. We're doing some of it here. We're doing some. I was telling them a story when I was witnessing swimming coaches on the last day when I was in Scotland. And the traditional method in swimming and athletics and rowing and cycling and so many of those big time commitment sports is let's do more work than anyone else could ever think of doing. They're very most, we call them grunt sports or motor sports. They're sports that are very much about doing more work, getting fitter and stronger than anyone else. And I blew their mind a little bit, blinded, which was the intention. And I said, look, I've spent some time with the French men's swimming team and I know what's happening at home with some of the female sprinters. They're not doing seven or eight kilometres in the morning and seven or eight kilometres at night and the same the next day. They might be doing five or six kilometres in the morning and training hard as a traditional program might be. In the afternoon, they might come back and do one and a half kilometres in the pool, then do a spin class, then do some rock climbing or some indoor climbing or some sort of HIIT training or even boxing. And then they might come in the next morning and, sure, a little bit of pool work, traditional-type training, learning how to move with good technique and skill. Come back at night, go for a run, maybe a boxing class, maybe some martial arts, maybe some pilates. So we're seeing that coaches around the world are trying a wide, wide range of variation in training. But then what I call the default coaching model is still what's the most amount of work we can do before the athletes fall over. We've been very much in that mindset for a long time. And, you know, even Michael Phelps' coach, a guy called Bob Bowman, he said coaching has changed. The old model was what's the most amount of work we can do before the athlete basically breaks down? The new model is what's the least amount of work we can do and still be successful? And it's an important shift to consider that. It used to be what's the most amount of work we can do before the athlete just can't possibly do anymore. Now we're thinking what's the least amount of work we can do and still win because we're supplementing that with so many other training techniques.
1: That's such an interesting interesting topic. You talked about uh, meeting with some sports science students, and that's uh, uh, an industry that's uh, going to continue to grow, I'm sure, but will look probably quite different in the future than the way it's looked up to this point. What do you see as the future of the sports science industry?
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I I would think that every major city, in definitely in New Zealand and certainly in most places I go around the world, have got some sort of sports science, physical education, coaching degree and even postgraduate degree. I'm speaking tomorrow night at Dublin City University and they've got sports science, PE, coaching programs, as, as does the Cork Institute of Technology and some of the other institutions that I've spoken at already and the ones that I'll... Out in the next four weeks, the message to the students was to embrace the future, to look at technology and using drones and using the, the 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 accuracy that we've got now with computer technology and and to really embrace that. However, at the same time, remember no matter how great the technology is and how brilliant the analysis equipment may be, it's still of people gaming, and uh, I kind of a funny story. I so said, guys, look, what happens is you come out of here as a student and you you're full, your idea, head is full of ideas. Your head is full of research and papers you've read and conferences you've been to, and so you desperately want to get involved, and you run down to the local rugby field and say, excuse me, I've got a university degree. I've got all these great ideas. I'm going to tell you where you're going wrong. You'll be lucky if you get out of there with your jaw intact because nobody, nobody, particularly coaches, like being told where they're wrong. So I tried to suggest to them, guys, you've got to understand that a coach who's been coaching for 10 years effectively has a PhD in coaching and they don't have the paper and they haven't done the study in the classroom, but they've done mornings and afternoons and long weekends and late nights and They've been away and had to deal with the trauma of winning and losing and battling with parents. They've earned the respect of someone with a PhD in coaching. When you go down after you've got your degree, if you want to get involved in the industry, treat the coaches with respect, build a partnership with them, build a friendship with them, learn from them, and then very subtly start to try and influence some of their ideas. So embrace the future, embrace the technology and the great ideas and the research you're being exposed to but then go out and build partnerships with practicing coaches. And if you've got the science, you know, we've talked about this, the science of sport, which is what the students are being exposed to, combined with the art of a great coaching practitioner, then together you can achieve remarkable things. One of the students laughed and I said, what's the problem? And he said, I did exactly what you said, Why?" He said, I, I had a study. I thought I'd found a real breakthrough in Gaelic football, which is enormous here. It's, it's the the biggest cater football here by a long time in Ireland. And he said, I couldn't wait to go down and tell my coach what I'd discovered, this new research that was going to be groundbreaking and change him forever. And he looked at me and smiled and he said, Yep, he said, we were doing that twenty two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so the message is to the students, don't underestimate just how clever and how wise many of the coaches are. But if you bring your energy and your enthusiasm and what you've learnt that's new, and you combine that in partnership with coaches, then together you become responsible.
1: And doesn't that make it such a, a, a far more attractive career path? Because what you've just outlined is invigorating, energising. It's it's something I'm sure that would be appealing to, to many uh, people who hadn't maybe considered sports science as, as something they want to do with their lives.
0: I think there's a lot of people who come out of universities with sports science degrees who end up in gyms, or end up in personal training. And that's that's an important part of the industry to get people healthy and fit and well. But the ones who want to look at performance or want to look at connecting with athletes and inspiring to be remarkable and want to get in that side of the business, if they come out and all they've got is science, there's a million of them. And the challenge I gave to the students last night, what's your point of difference? If you walk in and say, I've got a university degree in sports science or even a master's degree, in sports science, I see hundreds of those all over the world. I'm looking, so well, what's different about you? What are you going to bring to this program that I can't get online, that I can't discover myself, I can't research myself? And if it's you're coming in with an open heart and an open mind to forge a partnership and to learn where you believe that learning is going both ways, then you become an incredibly important asset to any coaching program. If you're just uh, another smart you know what <laughs> student coming out telling you where you're going wrong and what you have to change then coaches tend to, to, to maybe not be as receptive to that type of approach as you might think they could be so the message to students is the science is great but respect the art
1: always a fascinating chat Wayne thank you so much for for joining us sounds as though you're uh, you're empowering and educating and entertaining audiences all around the world I think you've earned, that goodness, my friend. Thank you for uh, taking the time to have a chat to us.
0: Mate, this time next week, I'll be in Belfast, which should be a completely different experience and challenge and one I'm very much looking forward to. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more sports thoughts, subscribe to our newsletter at
1: wgcoaching.com.